celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Today we have Molly Leishman. She is a producer at Human Person, an actor, creator, and an all-around wonderfully clever, driven person. Human Person is a creative studio based in LA, producing concerts for major names such as Billie Eilish and Calvin Harris. And having spent two years as a commercial TV producer, Molly dove headfirst into the team, working on the iconic festival Coachella as her first like big project. Embracing her passion for the creative industry really began at a young age, though, stepping into her acting career and going on to cultivate an impressive list of credits to her name. Also an accomplished singer too, with plenty of performance experience. However, it was the action behind the camera or the stage that Molly has gravitated towards. Being a high performer with an insane work ethic, Molly earned a Bachelor of Design in Social Innovation, all while working throughout her studies as a production assistant, actor, brand ambassador, a variety of roles which really expanded your skill set. So a truly remarkable, extensive list of things that we could talk about. Let's just dive in. Molly, welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Where and how are you today? What an intro. I can't even believe it. I'm like, who are you talking about? That's crazy. Um, Thank you. I am really well today. It's a it's a Monday evening. I'm in Los Angeles and um, I'm doing really well. I love it. And I know you mentioned before some of that traffic. I'm on the East Coast and there does tend to be like this. People will be like, what's the difference between them? Have you noted like a difference between the West and East Coast? I spent a bit of time back in New York um, in 2019 for a few months. And yes, there's a difference. I feel like it's not even worth comparing because they're so different. It's like they're two different countries. But um, traffic is one of them. And the weather, duh, the weather, of course. I mean, it's so much sunnier here all the time and it gets so cold in New York, but there's nothing like New York. I mean, come on, it's, it's amazing. It's the best. That is so true. They're very different. I had my first venture to LA this year and I was like, oh, this is so bright and sunny and like people seem very kind. So yeah, yeah. totally different. It's asking like, oh, Australia and New Zealand the same. You're like, well, of course there's things that are similar, but the cultures know, is are very like different. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very like that. I don't know. I love both places, but Los Angeles is kind of, I had a lot more friends here. I was a little bit closer to home. I had work opportunities here um and it was sunny and warm so I couldn't exactly stay away for too long that's for sure that brings me to my first question now there's not like a meme but you know it's like what my friends think I do what I actually do and that's like I feel the best way to get into what it is that your personal professional kind of career is so what do your friends and family think you do versus what do you actually do Well, okay. I see my family are, I'm so fortunate with my family. I feel like they totally know the ins and outs. Maybe I'm so, I'm just so close with all of them in in the sense that I know exactly what I, exactly what I do. But from the outset, a lot of people are like, oh, you just get to, you know, travel around and, and hang out with singers and artists and 
like draw and make fun stuff happen and, and oh my gosh that must sound so fun and I'm like okay well you know it is not really like that the whole time but it is um it's definitely fun um a lot of yeah a lot of my friends think I just kind of hop skip jump around the world a little bit but the travel is difficult there is a lot of travel involved in what I do and it sounds really fun but it's long a lot of long flights a lot of random nights in hotels a lot of kind of just being in really weird cities as well a lot of people think I like just get to go to Paris or this or whatever and I'm like no I'm in Evansville Indiana for three weeks I mean like that's not exactly like I'm not running to go back there that's for sure but it is um what I actually do is um, I produce um, these shows. I sort of go between content, creative producing, a lot of project management stuff. Um, and I um, help with the design process of tours and and things and, and get them up on, on stage is I guess what you call them. Um, I um, start right from the beginning in terms of like pitching process, in terms of concepts, in terms of working with the management, in terms of working with the artist. Um, I work alongside Ian and Ben and um, our art director, Frankie, other producer, Lou, a bunch of our amazing animators. We put together these kind of concept treatments. And then once we've got the green light, that's when kind of we really kick into gear. And a lot of the time I, I spend in LA is in this sort of preparation mode um, where we're designing we're starting animation process we're just like kind of narrowing everything down and then when I um, go and travel I usually go to travel for on-site rehearsals and that's when I um, build the show and that's really fun that's the fun part and I think that's probably what I think you were saying before what a lot of people think it is which is like oh my god I'm just here and I just get to do this and that and it is a bit of that but um a lot of long nights a lot of long hours it's very hard work but um a lot of like turning up at the start and thinking how on earth we're going to get this done and then two weeks three weeks later you're seeing the first show in front of you know 13,000 people when you're just like okay we did it here we go it's done has it completely transformed the way you look at other shows like even I'm thinking obviously Taylor Swift is huge at the moment like any of those sorts of shows are you like oh you yeah. almost you can't enjoy like you obviously enjoy it but you're like wow they did this and that like you know yeah. everything behind the curtain yeah 100% unfortunately most shows that we go to um, you have to really like make yourself just chill and concentrate because you're just staring at the animation like stuff that I you know growing up going to concerts I wouldn't have done before you know um, I'm looking at animation I'm looking at the stage design I'm looking at things I'm thinking oh my god what did they do here that's so interesting I feel like this could have been cooler or this is so cool I take inspiration from that so um, yeah it is a little bit of it's like a director watching a movie right they're like oh I don't want to you know I don't even know if that's a um, example to use but yes I've definitely had the experience where I go somewhere and I am too picky but then I most all of us are but then we turn to each other and we're like chill just enjoy it just have a good time it doesn't matter but I feel like that cements the fact that this is what you're not what you were made to do but that this is your passion because yeah if you could disconnect from it it wouldn't be the reason you give it your everything you put in the long haul and the hours and like extensive I think I read in an article you're like it's exciting exhilarating and exhausting yeah it <laughs> just it's all three of those things just packages it up do you tend to work with the same team like I know Ben and Ian but when you go to like different locations is it this like one squad 
So it kind of depends. We're like a group of sort of 12-ish human person. And there's kind of a funny combination that seemed to kind of um, mix and match when we go. Um, usually it's relatively the same, but when we get on site, like the the artist and their team is always different. Sometimes it's really fun. You get to turn up and you're like, oh my gosh, I just worked on with you on this other show. Um, but most of the time it's new and you're in a new environment and you're working out of a funny room. Um, so you definitely hold your people close. And I think that's a really special thing about human person. We're all great friends, we're great colleagues. We love working with each other. We love creating with each other. Um, and whoever you are going with, um, out of the sort of 12 of us, like you're just going to have such a great time. And we like pick our moments to really like celebrate and take a moment to breathe as well as really, really, really hard, hard grueling hours for a lot as well. Yeah. Sounds like I'm, I'm always like kind of relating it to sport, right? It's like you put in the hard yards at training or in this case, the prep so that by the time you get to that fun part, which is building it all together, you're like, I know I've put in that work and you have, like you said, all 12 of you are starters. It's just a matter of like, who's going to go start at whatever yep. event it is. I love that. And I can just tell from the way you talk about it, like it's so genuine. And yeah, I, I'm curious, like the evolution, because obviously, like I mentioned, wildly impressive range yeah. of things you worked on, especially like in New Zealand. And I didn't even mention like the voiceovers, all that stuff. So oh my gosh, you've done your research. Wow, I'm so shocked. I'm like, how did you know this? I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize, but that's really sweet. Thank you. It's it's out there. And I love, like, I'll go into it and I knew like, oh, some things about like Molly and then I'm doing more and I'm like, how did she sleep? Um, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I didn't the answer to that. So you didn't sleep. You do the design and social innovation. That sounds like pretty clever. I don't really know exactly what that is. So kind of taking a step back, could you please talk us through the professional personal journey and how that kind of got you to where you are now? Yeah, it's it's difficult kind of to figure out where to start. Um, I would say that like it really did start when I first started acting because I do feel like I was started working like a really long time ago um, and it was such a great it was such a great experience to have when you were so young because you learned a lot about like time management. You learned a lot about um, being in a, in a professional setting and, and around adults, you know, when you're like 11. And so it sort of started then and, and I loved acting and I still love acting. Um, and I loved working in that industry for, for those years. And it was like really great to sort of learn how to juggle school and learn how to juggle acting. And um, then when I got to the end of high school, I um, I actually started doing law, which was really random, but um, I went to Wellington to do law and I got six months in and I liked it. I really did like it, but I just, I started to feel very apprehensive about doing something because I felt like I should um, rather than doing something because I really liked it. I think that was the first time I really made a decision to put my, you know, like instincts first and and figure out that maybe there was another kind of degree and kind of study that I could explore. Um, design for social innovation is like really unique and really random, and a lot of people don't don't know that that um, that that 
exists as a degree at all. I had a friend of mine study it and I was kind of like a joke, the joke in the, in, in the family that I couldn't really draw. And so someone was like, you should do design. I was like, I can't do design. I can't draw. Like, there's no way that I'm doing that. My brother's really great at drawing. And, and she was like, you don't need to do that. It's basically like design thinking. And it really caught my eye because I thought, my gosh, that's so creative. And I, I'm a creative person, but I didn't consider myself to be a creative. And then when I went to explore the degree just before we started second semester, I was just fascinated by it. You know, it was like this degree that involved a lot of sustainability study. It was thinking. There was no huge guidelines, like whichever way you wanted to present your design and your um, solution to a problem you know if you could justify it then you'd get a really good grade like it wasn't there was there was just no constraints and I think that it shaped a lot of the way that I work now which is like it doesn't matter what kind of form it ends up being if you if you like trust it and you justify it like great you know like I believe you know like you tick the box you you got you got an A or whatever it was um so I studied that for for it was supposed to be three years I kind of crammed it into two and a half um and I'm just really sort of, I'm really stubborn. I was really excited to go overseas. And I just was like, okay, I can keep doing some acting work, which I was so fortunate to continue doing. Whilst living in Wellington, I sort of had this commute, sort of Auckland to Wellington commute, where I was sort of shooting Sunday to Thursday in Auckland. And then I'd fly down on Friday and go to uni and hand in an assignment and back and forth for a few months. And it was like very busy. Um but it was just like my normal. I think I'd been doing it for a while, this kind of to and fro. And and yeah, I'm I'm just, I think that I just, if I've got my mind set on something, not in like a very like, I'm going to do it, just kind of like, yeah, I can just, let's see how far I can go before I break, basically, <laughs> is the answer. But like, I did it. I was fine. I mean, I got to the end and like, it was like, I, I was I just felt so fortunate that I was able to travel immediately after and and straight after university when I um when I left I I went um straight to America and I had such amazing lecturers and teachers and everything um there was a lecturer in Wellington called Nanette who just helped me so much she just totally saw that like I was not really going to take no for an answer and she was like okay I may as well just help you like figure this out and I could not have done it without her and I could not have done it without my parents but my siblings like they're amazing and I was so lucky to kind of just um charge through uni and then get to the end of it and kind of come out and be like okay I've got this really good degree but I also didn't have to sacrifice what I really loved which was acting and I also didn't have to choose acting and focus on it I was able to kind of steer my head into something that was really interesting to me you know like I just I was really fortunate in that way it sounds so like sometimes when people fixate on one thing too much like if you had just gone into acting like if acting's not going well then you're not going well because your identity is tied just yeah. with one thing. But because you, I like how you said until you broke, but you didn't break because you had that support yeah. system around you. But yeah. oh my yeah. gosh, hundred percent. I just, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The identity thing is like a huge element of it, and I love that. It's funny because when you said law, um, I started in law at AUT and then Waikato, and then rowing was going well enough that I came. That's why I came to the states and oh, wow. yeah it was it's funny because I was like yeah I thought law was the thing I should do because yeah it just seemed, it just seemed right and then yeah you start and you're like oh maybe maybe not and I love that you quickly pivoted because I kept at it for a little bit yeah I couldn't do it I was just like 
this is this is not for me I had studied psychology and sociology through school um and I had an amazing teacher there as well this guy called Justin Peters and he he was so um influential in like mind studies and just understanding you know that there's more to life than like every kind of um job that you're kind of handed in a pamphlet you know when you graduate you know and like they're they're amazing that people that people love doing those jobs I just I didn't know what was out there and it was really interesting that I ended up finding it at Wellington um but yeah I just I don't know I felt I, yeah I, I felt lucky I'm also really glad that I did a little bit of law and saying that because like it's, it's really interesting and I actually I, I use it for the writing and and everything like these days so it was like it was definitely a good experience but very quickly I was like this is just not this is not for me yeah and everything kind of oh, I think like swings and roundabouts so at the time it might have seemed like irrelevant but then later yeah. you're like oh that was actually helpful and even now like I'm sure when you're reading through like basic contracts law because we do that early on is like yeah oh I need to make sure I read my things and yep. even the lifestyle like you said it was your normal in LA and the work you do now like it set you up perfectly it <laughs> like it is really did you're normal it really did I, I you know I was I was talking about this with a friend the other day about my like lack of real concept in terms of like hours and days I have days off of course I have weekends and I have evenings to myself and everything like normal people but a lot of the time they kind of come at random days or the hours shift around and I really think that human person is really unique in the sense that that you work when you like are working and if you have something that you need to do or whatever like it's totally fine because you have this really kind of the structure that is suits us when we are on site and it's really busy and it's like 12 you know 14 hours a day or whatever it is and then and then other times when it's not and I sort of feel like because I really love my job and I really like what we do and I think it was the same with acting it was the same with uni I've always really been so lucky to like love what I've done and do that um it rolls into the you know one into the other I don't I never really I I clock off and then like a relaxation point of view in terms of like not thinking I work but in terms of an interest and like wanting to keep up with what's happening like I, I tend to stay kind of pretty on just because it's so interesting and I like it yeah and it's like again relating to that passion and that's the difference between like a yeah. job versus a vocation like you it's that yeah. cliche of like if you love what you do you don't work a day in your life you're like exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I, definitely, I definitely feel like I work a day I work. <laughs> but, um I still really feel so lucky to like what I do especially at this point in my life you know halfway through my 20s yeah definitely and I want to kind of talk about like the US mindset and how that's like positively impacted you, but I'll go to my crux question, which I ask everyone. And that's like the genesis of the podcast tall poppy talk is because my experience in the US was like, initially, if I'm honest, I was like, well, oh, they're a little bit like brazen and up themselves. And yeah. 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 <laughs> that's still true in some respects. Like that didn't go away, but I'm like, Oh, there's actually some, not oh even that it's good qualities but like I was missing out on opportunities because it's like if you're not going to advocate for yourself there's an American who's happy to do it so yeah to is that as the background like what is tall poppy syndrome in your own words no right or wrong answer and have you experienced it 
in, in my opinion, tall poppy syndrome is sort of two-sided. I feel like it's, you know, one side is the f- fear of success, you know, and being too proud of your achievements and 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 too proud of of things that you're really proud of, like in the context of friends or family or people you've worked and I think one side of it is your own fear. And I think that the other side of it is being too scared to celebrate someone else's success because it you instinctively feel like it diminishes yours and your experience. Um, so I, I feel like it's both of those um, where it's, a, it's like give and a take and um it's have I experienced it I have I have in some regard I feel really fortunate to have my family have never made me feel like that a lot of my wider family and my immediate family and friends have always been really good because I think that they um they've seen me work really hard I think you know from a young age and because they've seen it and they grew up with me working really hard. It's not as if it's that notion that a lot of people throw around, which is like, oh my God, like she just called it, she just got this job because of XYZ or she just got it because of this or that, you know, like it it checks out that my hard work and and wanting to keep progressing and going better and, and doing more interesting things year by year has meant that I'm, doing a job like this at the moment which is like challenging but also just really really fun and really amazing so I I haven't felt I've been so lucky to have not felt like I shouldn't be proud of my achievements by my family um but the flip side is like I have felt really nervous to talk about it sometimes um when catching up with people I haven't seen in a while because I think, you know, basically we, we, when we went back to talking at the start about, um, you know, what my friends think I do versus what I actually do, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to talk about my job and not talk about these artists that I'm working with and that I really love working with, but you're immediately like, oh my God, I sound like I'm showing off. I sound like I'm name dropping. I sound like I'm trying to like pretend like I'm buddy buddies with so-and-so and you have like instinctively that fear and I was having this discussion with someone about about this in, in anticipation of us chatting and I was like you know it's it, maybe it's not my family or friends that have that have kind of put that because I, I really I just I have been really lucky in the sense that I've always been able to be proud of my achievements but it's you know there's someone in the in the corner who's rolling your eyes if you won an award at school or someone who's calling you a show off if you got a role in a move in a musical or something at school versus someone else it's it's the little things that New Zealand sometimes holds um that I think is what sticks because even if you do feel like you can be publicly recognized or something you're really stoked about there's still always something you know in the back of your head that is making you second guess whether you should talk about it or be proud of it. And I think what you were just saying about America has been a really, really fascinating experience because it's just so different. And it's, I first came here um, for four months when I was probably 19. 
so I think I had like exposure to a little bit of that quite young I came over here um, to do acting stuff with some management here and you know I'm like 18 19 you are selling yourself to like this person who's going to represent you you had to learn really quickly how to talk about and it's so uncomfortable but you you learn I learned quite young that like that's just how it is here and I think it kind of stuck with me and I went back to New Zealand and um and you have a bit of hesitation to kind of revert, you know, revert back to being like, oh yeah, like I just had the good time, and like I'm just would love to do anything. I'll make coffees, I'll do whatever, you know. When I'm actually someone who's qualified with a degree, who's been working for a really long time, um, and so I had, to, and I was, you know, I was talking about this with my parents and their line of work, and be like, no, you know, you've got to, you got to tell yourself, got to take a bit of America with you, you know. There's that saying that's like, there's no such thing as a bad meeting in America. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know I'm going roundabouts, but yes, I have definitely experienced it, but I've also like fought against it. And I've also had like the support to kind of, to, to make me feel proud of my own achievements. And I definitely don't feel as if I have had too much experience feeling embarrassed for something that I'm really proud of. But on the flip side, like instinctively, I feel scared to talk about achievements or anything you know anything like that yeah and that's the natural well maybe it's not natural for like again the Americans but for us in New Zealand and part of the purpose of the podcast is like celebrate people's success and put it out there like hey you can be proud of it so thank you for sharing that and like sharing the pride you have for yourself and recognizing like so much of it comes from having family who bolster you so that you can go out and like kind of have that face of like, yeah, I'm good. But of course, like you said, you notice an eye roll here and those things stick with you because you're someone who is trying to do something you love and you want to be proud of it. So if you feel any sense of like not, it, it does stick with us. And so yeah, the Americans, um, they're doing it right a little bit. <laughs> they are. I agree. I think it's a really, really good lesson to learn. Um and I was stoked to learn it younger, and I'm still working on it. I mean, it's it's still even with even with support, it's still weird, you know, because you're still sort of thinking about, oh, it's actually not as great as it looks, or and you're thinking about all the sort of hard negative parts of the job or whatever you're whatever you're doing at the time, and you're like, oh, you know, it sounds great, but it's not really that great, you know. I've said that like four times already on this podcast, you know. It's still, but it. But at the same time, I'm I'm also really stoked about about where I'm at, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's and it, yeah, and it's like it's funny because I know we're like very. I think we're the same age. It's like you're a role model because I'm seeing the things you're doing, and I'm like, oh, and even for me, like people like Kim Crossman, as we mentioned before, super inspirational because I'm like, oh, you can do this lifestyle where you live between both if you can, like. Yeah fund it to uh go back in between yeah Yeah, like crazy um and then even like talking about the podcast when I put it out there I did like a little intro video and I pinned it on my like Instagram and I can't even watch it now because I'm like oh no I you're like oh I can't like I get embarrassed but in the moment I was like you have to put it out there because if someone comes to the page it just makes sense but having those hesitations you're like so I leave it there and I'm like don't listen to it in front of me like I don't look I know I know I know I totally relate to that 100% it's um it's weird 
I, and you're constantly comparing yourself to, to other people and different, you know, I, I, I might be like happy about my work situation, but then I see someone in Europe and I'm like, oh, I want to be just backpacking through Europe right now. Like that looks so fun. And then I'm jealous of that person. And then I'm jealous of this, you know, it's just all, it's all relative really, isn't it? It really is. It's um just having general dialogue and conversation to open up open it up and be like this is a thing we're experiencing I think Israel Adesanya is like one person I would love to talk to on this topic because his yeah. confidence is like insane I know I know uh, yeah yeah you know what's that I read something the other day that was like the worst thing in the world is making someone feel embarrassed about something they're excited about and I really thought that was so interesting because it's true. There's a lot of, um, this is a, obviously, because I work in music, this is the first thing that comes to mind, but, you know, like Bieber fever back in the day, you know, like Justin Bieber mania and the screaming and the fans. And then you go to a football game and it's screaming and it's fans. And it's like, oh, but, you know, most of the time it's also to do with women and, and sort of, emotional women who are so crazed and and whatever about these fans and it's like why like that's it's awful to make someone who's excited about something feel embarrassed it's Taylor Swift Swifties I actually think it might have been her that said that which was like you know the mania around Taylor Swift and especially at the moment with her tour and so many people are so excited about it I mean so many people make people feel scared to be excited about stuff and it sucks I mean like you, if you're excited and you're passionate about something and you want to and you've achieved something or you want to do something because you love it like you should feel like you can without being ridiculed but it's the same notion of this tall puppy which is like feeling like you shouldn't be as excited as you are I, I love that so much of like why would you make someone feel embarrassed about it because instead you could be excited like this is such a interesting comparison <laughs> I was watching like great bit the great British baking show is my jam because yeah the passion they have for like biscuits like yes <laughs> I know it's, it's so wholesome and like the way they'll be helping each other like finish their bakes and stuff I'm like if we could just bottle that and spread it out that is maybe if someone's like Grace what are you going for great British baking tent vibes that's what it yeah. is 100% 100% I love it I yes. love it Okay, decision-making, because I could look at your progression and be like, okay, there seems like she must have had it from age 11, like, planned out. So <laughs> I see you shaking your head. It's like, head, no. heart, or gut. I had a previous guest say that this was her metric for making decisions. And I was like, I wonder, like, Molly, do you have any, like, tools for decision-making or lean into any of those more than the other? I, I'd say all three completely even. Um, but I would also say that I stand by this now. And I also think that this is really what has sort of snowballed my life has just been like, everything will literally become clear. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a really spontaneous person. Like I, um, will travel or host something or think of a ridiculous idea or, and, and I'll see it through, which is totally the producer in me. Like I, I'll just make it happen. I'll figure it out. But um I'm a spontaneous person but I also have like a really good dose of sort of knowing that things 
will become clear. And a lot of the time when I'm not sure about something, I, I will like wait and I won't answer straight away and I won't act on it immediately because majority of the time, you know, the next morning or a few hours later, it will have kind of figured itself out already. I think that that's a, that kind of patience is something I have had to learn a lot. And I, um, and it has been like an invaluable lesson. I think that my, my instinct is that, you know, like waiting and like trusting my instinct and figuring it out a little bit more and, and seeing if, if my feelings on the situation are going to develop in any way. My heart is obviously 100% involved in every decision I make. My, as I mentioned, I was so lucky with my family, but there's just so much about like listening to the voice in your head, as my mom used to call it, but um, listening to your instinct and your heart, they're, they're really entwined. And also making sure that you're like rationally considering something and rationally making this decision about whatever it is. Um, so all three, honestly, all three are, the, are, are in the wheelhouse of making any sort of decision, but like weightings and, and not, and not acting on something too quickly is a hundred percent what I, what I value most, I think definitely. Yeah. It's, so refreshing and so, such like tangible advice people can take is because wanting to do something quickly because we are going a million miles a minute and it's yeah. like you're going to miss an opportunity but you're so right like the amount of times you like this you know sleep on it like give it a yeah, night sleep on it. anything honestly and I think what I was saying before in terms of my life and the way that it's kind of like snowballed is that like someone, I remember someone saying like, oh, what did you, what did you used to say when you were little? You know, what am I, what am I going to be when I grow up, grow up? And I never had an answer. I don't remember what I said. Like I, I definitely wasn't like, I'm going to be an actor or I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to work in music. I had, I had, I must've had, you know, from a really young age, like a very like secure feeling that like it would become clear. And it's exactly what, what, happened you know like I I was really interested in acting and I worked really hard really young to kind of get in on it and prove myself when I was working on sets really young that I was capable of professionalism even when I was little and um I was so interested in it all and I was doing that for a bit and then I, went, I moved to a new school which got me into this which I met this great teacher, which opened my eyes into these really interesting conversations, which led me to kind of move to somewhere like Wellington, which led me into somewhere, you know, like law, which then goes, actually, I want to go to design. And that all became clear. And I'm sitting on, I'm sitting on in law thinking, this is not really right. So it's not really feeling right. And all of a sudden I got a one dinner and I'm talking to someone and she's like, why don't you do look at this? I'm like, oh, that's great. And if I hadn't gone to the dinner, you know, and then, I'm thinking I really want to just go overseas and I really love America and I want to move to New York. I mean, that's actually what I originally did. Um, and that led into this and even, even through, sorry, the pandemic, but like bringing me home was not planned, but it became clear that it was like hugely pivotal and, and like, and kind of where I, where I moved to after, after America, um, and I was, I was really grateful to have that kind of experience, not the pandemic experience, but I was really grateful to, to have the experience of being taken off course completely and having to trust that like you were going to figure out and get back on your feet somehow. And that 
dare I say it, it will become clear, you know, again, because when I was back in New Zealand, I got a really great job for this production company called Supernormal. I met amazing people. I met, I learned so much stuff. I lived with friends that I'd never thought I would live with, which meant I met people that I now work with at human person. You know, all of this, all of this stuff is like a snowball effect of just kind of like working really hard, being prepared for an opportunity at any point and, um, and sort of trusting that it will figure itself out if you're really just, if you're being supported and you're also trusting your instincts and, and kind of waiting and figuring it out as you go. Completely. That's actually really like reassuring and affirming to hear that. And with the pandemic too, I see like, you're hesitant to be like, it wasn't good because obviously the overall was it wasn't but no. something that I think's interesting with in particular like our generation who was entering kind of the workforce is like we came into it having like this complete wave of like anything can be taken away the world can literally ground to a halt so you better do what you want to be doing and yeah. I think that that was not something I kind of noticed until more recently, like thinking about the different generations within the workforce, how we view it. Like you get a lot of older generations being like, oh, they're not, you know, working as much as that they have more of a work-life balance. I'm like, when you enter in a pandemic, you're like, well, is it worth it? Like I need to do something yeah. I'm passionate about because 100%. it got taken away when we started. So, I mean, yeah, when the pandemic started, I happened to have been home for for what was supposed to be one week. I had like a carry on bag. I wasn't supposed. I all my my car, my life, everything was in LA. My job, and um, I walked in, no quarantine or anything. Like it was just days before that it was started, start of March to come home for a wedding, um, and I never, I didn't go back for two years, and I had to have all my stuff sent back, and I had to quit my job and I totally I was back home at my parents house with my siblings like wait what like what just happened it was like so insane it was it was so insane it was so so insane but I'm I'm also really grateful that here I say it that it happened yeah not really no I I get what you mean and that's I think a lot of people feel that because you're able to it rocked the boat in so, so many ways. And there's obviously the terribleness of it, but it reshuffled people's priorities and you could see things in a different way, like spending time with your family and then your friends in a way that you wouldn't have. And also all the work opportunities being in New Zealand when there was like the 2020 summer, where there was all those yeah. festivals and stadium tours that you could like, what's it like take off your training wheels or whatever with like get amongst. Um, oh gosh. Okay. I am needing to like not I don't want to wrap up with you but I'm like holy moly this is so brilliant um is there anything that we haven't discussed that you feel like from your experience or just in general you would want to say whether that's with tall poppy or just like something you do in work it's just kind of open-ended open mic opportunity wow I was not prepared for that question um what I say I would I think that I would say like another side of like the tall poppy thing is also like really specific to women um and really I think that I've like I feel like I sort of woken up this year and every situation in my life um 
and I'm very fortunate with it, but, you know, like I, I feel like acutely aware of like the role that women take in the world and in the workplace. And I feel like very determined and in amongst the incredible women that I work with to like keep up the strength of like knowing that I deserve to be in the room. I think that like that has been something that I think we were taught. We were lucky that we um, we really were taught about like our place in the world being super valuable. I think like um, in school and uni, we, I, we were, I was, we were old enough to kind of get that drilled into us. We weren't exactly from a time that that, that wasn't, you know, a priority in, in teaching girls. But at the same time, um, there's still like a really long way to go. And I'm learning, you know, year by year and through this job, especially that's hugely male dominated, um, that like I'm 100% belong to be at the table and I have to convince myself of that a lot and that you know I think that that goes alongside tall poppy mm-hmm. where it's um, which you know in America does suffer from this version of tall poppy which is feeling like you have to work twice as hard to be in the same room or to charge your day rate or to be included in in the credits lineup um, for a really long time, I was so overwhelmed by the scale of which I was like being able to work and the artists that I was being able to work for that I was like very, I was very um, quick to downplay my role. Um, and I was very quick to say that it was more so them, not me, or and that and that my part may have been small or whatever and maybe it was yeah like maybe it was at the time when I was first starting it was smaller than maybe it is now but but I was still a part of it and I really had to learn and I'm really lucky with the with the um men and women that I work with the human person that they're very good at being like no 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 like you did this or well, you did that and, and we couldn't have done this without you but I think that's something that I I'm really learning is that like being able to stick up for myself and also expecting men to stick up for me um with me I should say um but that that's been like a really interesting interesting thing that I'm I'm learning I, I thought maybe that I was sort of I think I was in school when the Me Too movement happened and maybe I was under some sort of a assumption that like oh everyone's aware now you know like we're done or maybe it was also like oh we weren't already thinking of that and I think because we were learning about it in school and then when the when the real era that that happened that movement happened it was almost shocking that people weren't thinking of this already but now being over here and now being in the workforce and getting older and demanding a louder voice in the room um yeah like it wasn't a priority and and it's like worth continuing to learn and like focus on that and and keep like girls and and women who are in school and university and starting work and are in the same position as me you know in their 20s like to to know that like you're you're feeling that you don't feel like you belong in there like you have to fight against that like because it's just it's just like simply not true and it's so easy to 
to think that way and it's so easy to get bogged down by by feeling like you are not as experienced or you're not as technically good or as creative or as interesting or as whatever and it's like you are like 100% you are and like you bring something so every single person who works for a company brings something interesting to a cat table it doesn't matter who you are where you've come from and like no two people are the same and like I I don't know I'm I'm learning it I think I, I just feel like I'm learning to to keep moving in the direction of of not having to apologize if I'm if I have to stick up for myself or not having to apologize for calling someone out or um yeah not having to apologize full stop (laughs) I couldn't have asked any question that would have got you to say those brilliant things so thank you and I think that that's such an important note to emphasize and something I really don't hone in on actually at all you're the first person to have brought up that not angle but that perspective so thank you because even the way I'll advocate for myself and like present things. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's so brilliant. And I'm God, put me on the spot there. That was fascinating. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, well, it's just been really on my mind at the moment. You know, it's been really, really prevalent in my life and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But yeah. Swapping from that brilliance to the sign off question, Molly, if you had to have one meal for the rest of your life, breakfast lunch and dinner so it's not a death row meal it's just like it has to be the same one what's it gonna be oh my god that's that's harder than any <laughs> question but okay well I'm I shouldn't say this on the record but I have like the worst dietary crimes I can't have gluten I can't have dairy I can't have anything so if I didn't have those problems and I could have anything in the world Oh my God, what is it? Because I know I have like a favorite meal. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. I know gonna... my it's just tiramisu is my favorite dessert, 100%. I would have, have made it yourself before. Okay, I made it for the first time last week. My partner is Italian and he turned, he had his birthday last week. And I asked his gorgeous Italian mother for the recipe. And she was like, I don't have the recipe. I just have to tell you. So she sent me a voice note. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. You know, the day when he goes to work, I'll I'll make it quickly before I go to work. And of course, I listen to the voicemail at like 11 o'clock at night. The first thing she says is, you have to make it the day before. I'm like, no, it's it's like 11. I can't do it right now. But I did. I got up and I got the ingredients. And I honestly, I did pretty well. So I'd say that, that is not like I could eat it, but I did have one mouthful of it. So that is my go-to dessert, um, my go-to meal. My mother makes this like amazing mushroom blue cheese creamy tart thing. And I think I would have that. Anything of my mother, but that I haven't had it in so long. It is the best thing in the world. Anything with mushrooms that's creamy and garlicky and yummy. Oh Pastas. my gosh. There's too many. I can't decide. I can't decide. It's too well, much. That was very, very good. And I know like later you'll be like, I need a texture. Like this is. I know. <laughs> I will. I can't even remember what it will be. It's too scary. It's too much. Olives. Yeah. Olives. Love olives. I'd have those too. Okay, yeah. this is shaping up to be quite the, the... Quite the feast every day. Three times a day. Oh, Molly, thank you so, so much. I personally have taken so much away from this and some really stellar pieces of like 
straight wisdom just flew from you so thank you very much and I wish you the best of luck I hope to like meet you in person soon I would love to meet are you in New York yeah my god amazing you should 100% let me know when you're out in LA I love that so stay tuned but thank you so much I'll sign off for today but um enjoy your evening and yeah you're a legend so thank you Oh, what a treat. Honestly, this has been such a blast. I really appreciate you reaching out. It's it's an absolute honor to be on this. I mean, I'm here's the tall poppy coming out, but I'm 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 completely blown away. So thank you so much. I'm stoked. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today.